Welcome to Photo Mission Exposure, discussing photography, where we talk one-on-one with photographers. Come join us. Welcome to Photo Mission Exposure, the podcast for photographers. On this episode, a photographer we talked to is one of the youngest photographers we've ever had on this series. So she's got an interesting story, and from an early age, when seeing a camera, just wanted to pick it up and start shooting. So let's learn more about their photographer this week. Our photographer is Casey Sims. Hi, I'm Casey Sims. I am a current uh, PhD student at QUT, but on the weekends I spend my time as a sport photographer, predominantly in track and fields, but I have been branching out into some other sports. Um, been involved with track and field since the age of four, so I'm a bit of a tragic. And yeah, that's how I got involved with photography and I really haven't looked back since. Um, that, that's really my story. Well, excellent. Casey, look, welcome to Photo Mission Exposure. Thanks for coming in to kind of share your photography story. Thanks for having me. That's all right. One, one of the things I like to do is I like to take people back to their, their earliest memories of like getting liking photography, either picking up the camera or going through the family albums. So what's your earliest memories of your photography? Looking back, I've or if there's been a camera laying around, I've always picked it up. I remember going away from one of my first athletics trips back in 2008 so I was like 13 years old and around that time all my friends were like begging their parents to like get them a new phone get them an upgrade phone but I really really wanted like a little disposable camera to take with me and I took that on a trip it was like a really cheap hundred dollar disposable camera I think it's actually digital and the lens cover had a had a sliding cover on it I think and I found that the other day as well, which was exciting to see. Yep. And it held a two gigabyte memory card as well. Um, and then, yeah, if I've if I've ever been out with friends, it's always been like if someone's got a camera there, it's always been Casey takes a photo. And then little did I know a few years later, I'd actually be owning my own DSLR and making this more of a legitimate uh, run with it, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's always been there. I was just... It hasn't really been until recently that I've kind of put two and two together and actually run with it Yes, yeah. to where I am today. And it's interesting because a lot of people have that photography, the passion for photography usually starts at a very early age. Like people have that interest or, mm-hmm. or they don't have that interest. And there's always sometimes in each group, there's always that the person who is the person who's, oh, Casey's got a camera, she'll take the pictures. Yeah. It's always funny how in groups of people, Someone always becomes a kind of unofficial photographer for everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm def- so, definitely the group photographer, that's for sure. <laughs> so that's fantastic. So kind of really had that bit of a passion for photography. And I know you started with some Canon gear. So what, what was your first Canon camera that you had? Um, okay, so probably more where it's this more legitimate photography stuff started would be in 2016 2017 I was involved with a little athletics club at the time I was coaching but I was also the youngest person in the community by about 10 to 15 years 20 and they were like we need photos and I was like okay and they're like well you're a young person here's the camera off you go and they gave me a 1200d or a rebel t6i yes yep. and a 18 to 135 mil kit lens yes and I just took a few photos at like the major carnivals on that around that same time i started an athletics club like a senior athletics club and we were like we need content for the club so we're gonna have to take photos and using the 1200d and shooting those events i was having like a a lot of fun with it and people were like even requesting like oh can we buy images off you and all that kind of stuff and i was like oh okay maybe this is like a thing i'm okay at so then went and bought a ADD from like JB Hi-Fi or something. I yep. I only got it because um, I saw Casey Neistat had it and if it was good enough for Casey Neistat, it was good enough for me. So yes. like the fact he did videos. Yes, yes. And I had a like the kit lens it came with, which is like 18-55. And then I also bought a Nifty 50 because I saw everyone online was like, always oh, get a Nifty 50. Yeah, get that prime lens. Yeah. yeah. And then that, that's, that's where I started and now I've definitely upgraded to the 5D Mark IV and the 7200, which is like my baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, the ADD would have been an absolute, because it's a bit of a weapon as far it as is, the number, yeah. number of frames a second it can shoot off. It's it, it's it, very good. It's pretty quick um, 
It's not a bad look sporting camera. No, it's not. It's it's, it's lasted four years. I still got it with me. I still take it around. Um, I only literally upgraded my uh, my main camera like last week. Yes. Um, I I looked at the shutter count on it. I that was a very high number. <laughs> yes. But yeah, the ADD's done. It, it's it's done its job. It's quite a neat, like a handy little camera, and it's a lot lighter as well, which is helpful when you're carrying it around all day too. Exactly. And and look, the interesting thing was that, so you actually started with, you know, the 1200Ds is an entry-level camera. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a get people kind of, I suppose, a taste of a DSLR and get them started. Yeah. Like you said, with a kit lens. But, I mean, that didn't deter you. So you actually just ran with it. Yeah, no. I Well, probably most of it was uni student budget related. Uh, I didn't have, like, the budget to be like, cool, let's just go drop a couple K on a camera. Yeah. But, yeah, there was also, like, I, I, I learned photography pretty much in the University of YouTube. and saw... Which a lot of people do. And, look, I tell you what, you know, there's a, there's a thing about for professional photographers these days that you can pretty much learn photography online, yeah. right? If you want to be, become a photographer, there's so much information out there that there's so many great people putting content, showing you how to shoot better. That, yeah, I mean, that's where a lot of people actually, some of the best photographers in the world learned yeah yeah. it's really really helpful and um it was i learned more like like i I couldn't do much about the gear but what i could control was the way i captured everything and the way i then went into edit everything after that so yeah did try not to let the gears deter me obviously there are limitations when you are using like certain gear especially in like the low light situations which happens with nighttime athletics but yeah just just kept like controlled what i could control which is my ability to shoot and my ability to edit, and then when the opportunity arose to upgrade gear and like take that next step, that's when I jumped. If that yep. makes sense. Yeah. So photography is not too far distant from athletics. It's a he- bit of a head game. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of similarities between being on the track and then also being just off the track with the camera. That's exactly. For sure. Exactly. It's, it's it's how it's it's attitude. It's how you apply yourself. It's what how you use what you've got to your advantage yeah definitely um even if you just think from a like like there's like training involved or like practicing and then there's obviously like performing on the day like you don't get a second chance yes. there's also a lot of the interactions as well as an athlete you you need to be respectful of everyone around yes um same thing for the photography as well especially in athletics in australia it's kind of unique where like being a bit of a flog is not on like it's not okay like if you think you're better than everyone else it will be called out straight away yes yeah. and same thing happens with athletics photography as well if you think you're great everyone's going to pull you down a few pegs <laughs> so yeah there's been so many similarities between yeah like competing and training and then also being out there photographing and luckily it's the same people too that's it and look knowing i mean one of the big things too is probably knowing some of your subjects personally mm-hmm. that's a huge help as well because it breaks the ice so sometimes people do challenge when you're shooting straight complete strangers because you're worried about taking a bad photo or not capturing them in the way that they would like to be captured that type of stuff so like i said so it's always interesting how sometimes people there is a a connection between the two things that people don't always think about but i kind of sit back and always look at different photographers and i can understand why that photographer is actually really good at what they do because you look at their background. Yes, with that, with athletics, it's knowing the events, not just from a photography perspective, but also a safety perspective. Uh, I know where I can get away with standing without being hit by things, because um, yes. that could be potentially well, very deadly. Um, there's something that's coming up shortly, which is you're going to be featured on the Canon Collective group, yeah. and there's a there's a photo that you've submitted there where you're actually um, there's a discus thrower. Uh, yes, yeah, <laughs> and Upon the sounds of what you're saying, you were actually lying on the ground. With your I cap- was lying with, on the ground. With a 50mm lens. Uh, oh, I think it was. That was a 10 to 18. Oh, 10 to 18. I befriended the officials enough to allow me to lay flat on the ground <laughs> and put the camera just underneath the net. Yes. Most photographers can't get away with that, yep. or, they, or they kind of have to go through a probation period. Yeah. And, yeah, it is dangerous because if that di- it was raining that day, yep. the discus slips, I'm in trouble. Yep. So it's camera. It's more important. But yeah, it's there are some places where people are like, are you going to get killed? And I'm like, no, no, we're good, we're good. Uh, 
I've kind of figured out where like the threshold is of yes, safety that and risk management you know, and being able to capture things as well. Yeah, knowing athletics has been definitely a huge advantage, but also knowing the athletes themselves as well. So the, the photo you're talking about, the girl in that photo, I've been shooting her since 2017. So at the back of a discus circle, some people are really in the zone and the shutter going off can be a deterrent. Yes. She's used to it now. She's like, it feels weird if it's not going off. Like she's used to that there, which is helpful because then like I can always like kind of like try new things and capture new things. Yes. And then with a lot of the athletes, a lot of them do have a lot of personality and but they won't admit to it, but a lot of them kind of do the same thing, um, especially like after a race. Uh, yes. So at, o- at Oceana Athletics, I know – if Eddie Nikita won the 100 metres, I kind of knew the sequence of things that he would do, which is usually run about 50 metres, throws his arms up in the air, jumps on the ground, comes back towards the finish line about another 20 metres. He'll usually get down on one knee, usually puts his fist up in the air, and then he'll jump up and then he usually puts his arms out and then like presents himself to the crowd. Yeah. And then he usually – then he'll go in like shake everyone's hand, hug everyone after that. Like those kind of things you learn about each of the athletes and you know exactly kind of – what they're going to do or what the ballpark is of what they'll do after each. So you're not just getting the action shot, but you're also getting like the celebration shots. Which is telling the story, which is what photographers tell stories. That's what we do. Yeah, very much so. It's not just about capturing like like the action. It's also about like kind of capturing the moment, if that's a way to phrase it. Yes, it is. I mean, sometimes it's those decisive moments that make a great photo that and, and having knowing like, I mean, Look, if you look at a lot of the professional athletes, they all have that that little routine they do. Mm. Um, there's a couple of tennis players who've got some annoying um, routines every time they serve a ball. <laughs> some people won't change it. It's a lot, a lot of, I would say, um, people get superstitious about changing their routine. It might bring bad luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot A lot in track have the same thing. Um, some of them... Uh, in the starting blocks, you know that certain athletes are always, once they settle themselves, always just like look up and that's when you get the photo. Yep. There's always some that just, like when they're just standing there behind the block, some will be a bit jumpy, some will just be like laser focused there. Same thing goes for any of the throwing events. Some of them will like throw the implement up in the air above their head and like that's when you kind of get that shot. You know what's about to happen for sure. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Learning them all. Learning them all. That's it. So – you, you started off, like I said, with that first camera and then you progressed to the, the 80 mm-hmm. and then at that point too you started lens choices. You started changing, your, you know, looking at what lenses you were using. Yeah. I I shot track and field, majority of it, on a Nifty 50. Yep. Uh, people don't believe me, but it happened. Well, look, it's it's one of the most underrated pieces of kit you can own. It's, exactly. It's the most afford, one of the most affordable yeah, lenses. so cheap as well, which is even better. Yeah, that's it. And and sharp, like yes. incredibly sharp for the money. That's so, That was the main reason for choice, like choosing that lens in particular as well, yep. for sure. And that's a good – and look, that was a good choice because, like I said, it, it did – it's good performance and it fitted a budget. Mm-hmm. So it kind of ticked a couple of boxes there. It did, it did. And in low light, it's, it's it was really great. Having that 1.8 um, aperture definitely is, is, a, is a help. And also too for those, you know, the hero shots at the end, you know, when you want to just blur the background out and it's just all on the athlete. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, the Nifty 50 was my main go-to. Oh, obviously, like if I was going to like national championships, I'd borrow someone's like 5D Mark IV or like the 7200. Because there's some um, people in track and field who have got all that gear, like a lot of the athletes, because they've yes. obviously got to promote themselves, or I'd hire it from a place in Brisbane. Yep. But yeah, for the most part, like each like weekend was always on a Nifty Fifty. Everything was at the ADD and the Nifty Fifty up until about mid 2019, when I was like bit the bullet and just went, okay, I'm gonna need to get a 7200 first. Yes. Also, that gives me a bit more length to get out of harm's way, and then, yeah. Just use the ADD and the seventy to two hundred for like a solid year and a half and until there's, recently. There's a big advantage of that combination, crop factor. Yes, being a very crop, much so. Being a crop frame, the one point six, so it kind of makes your two hundred probably closer to three hundred. Mm. Yeah, which which that extra reach is always nice. Very very helpful. Uh, recently started shooting my sister's football games as well. Yes, and yeah, having that like extra length on it. It was very helpful in terms of like trying to see like get onto the like 
onto the field because obviously we have to be off the field and a certain meterage away from the lines as well. And even shooting things like a like a one hundred meter race, I can usually get more with the ADD on, but five D definitely has its advantages as well. That's for oh, sure. but full full frame is another is is something that people once they start shooting full frame, it's another it's another kind of discipline. It is. And having 30 megapixels at your disposal is, is fantastic as well because it means you can crop, even if you're using that kind of shorter shorter length lens, you can still crop into the image and still get a great image. Yeah, that's for sure. I found that with the, um, that was my main concern was when I went from the ADD to the 5D4 was like, oh no, I'm not going to be able to get as close as I usually can. And I was like, hold up, I can crop things, so we're good. That's good. Uh, that's it. So the, tra- the trade-off is, that you, you're going with a kind of, I suppose, a, a camera. Well, well, the other good thing is in athletics isn't always happen in the most ideal weather conditions. I've seen some of your stuff no. where it's <laughs> drizzling and wet and, the, and the, the, both the 5D and that lens you've got are both weather sealed. Yeah, uh, athletics is one of those sports where, like, unless there's lightning, the show goes on. Yes. Um, <laughs> distinctly remember 2018 all schools for those who who were there will know it was the back end of a like a monsoon or trough or something it was the tail end of a cyclone effectively four days straight my phone got water damaged the camera didn't because it was protected and yeah having that weather ceiling was good obviously I had a cover over the top of it because I didn't trust myself but yes yeah. yeah and then even recently on the weekends that horrendous weather that just came through a lot of the athletics didn't stop until the lightning came along and there was a lot of heavy rain prior to that yeah. and having that peace of mind was was very helpful. And I think a lot of people don't under also, also underestimate is, um, yeah, like water weather ceiling, but also when you're shooting things like long jump and triple jump, the older the athletes get, so once they hit that under-20 open age group, especially the boys tend to spray sand yes. everywhere. And if you're at the end of the long jump hit, you definitely cop a mouthful of sand and yep. also the camera does as well. And with that ceiling, it helps keep all the sand out of it and make sure nothing gets abraded along the way. I mean, that's what you want. You want just – you need the thing to be able to perform. Yes. When when you need it, you need it. And, look, that's one of the things I suppose I like about Canon gear because I've been shooting Canon ever since I can remember for a long, long time. And one of the things I love about Canon is reliability. Yes. Because it just when, – when you have to get the shot, you just know the thing's going to – going to work which is fantastic so you've kind of recently made that move to the to the full frame so that kind of now sets you up where where do you think you're going to go with your photography from now um okay it probably should have started earlier but i've probably massive lack of self-confidence is to contribute there but i started getting some more like paid work and people reaching out after seeing some of the athletic stuff and getting like i think it's like you would consider it commercial work and also some track and field work as well in that like like paid situation if you will up until like pre previous like up until probably the last two months um track and field work is usually never paid for um quite common in like amateur sport yes and yeah like a people reaching out for like a variety of things and now getting asked like oh do you do portraits do you do this do you do that and like previously i would have been like no i don't think i'm not going to do it um but now i'm like okay i I have a camera i have the lenses i have the ability i probably should i can do this now so having that side hustle to the side having the side hustle whilst i'm at uni uh financially very beneficial but also allows me to have a few more opportunities a bit more fun along the way instead of just sitting trackside yes and look one of the things about being a photographer is you know sometimes people say the old thing when you say oh you're a photographer what type of photographer Mm -hmm. i mean your first gravitation is probably going to say i'm a sports photographer yeah but to be a photographer really you have to better shoot everything like you have to better just pick the camera up and whatever it is just just shoot it uh, yeah, so I'd probably label myself as a sport photographer first and foremostly. And then, yeah, I mean, in sport, you kind of do kind of pick up doing portraits. Well, I'm just saying there's, there's, it, it, portraits kind of – and look, the other thing I wanted to touch on with, with sports these days is social media is so important. Yes, so, so important. sporting identities need – they want content to put on social media. Yeah. My son's got a friend who's uh, he's just coming up through boxing. Yeah. And so my son's kind of interested in photography. So he went out yesterday, borrowed one of my uh, five series cameras and a 50 mil prime, and they went mm-hmm. down to the where he trains, mm-hmm. and they took some shots. Yeah. 
for him to use in his social media yeah, feed. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's a great opportunity for um, people who are working with athletes to be able to actually be able to provide that content. Yeah. I found um, like the athletes, if they've done an epic performance, will like the action shot, but it's always the ones like the, the what I call kind of like the low-key portrait shots. Yes. Are the ones that the athletes want for like their social media like profile pictures. It yep. help, usually helps. There's usually a sponsor involved in that situation there. Also, just helping them with just yeah general content. Like they usually can like throw a funny caption on those like before and after um, images, not just the action shots. And then like I'm the same as well. Most of the time, my face, if I'm running, jumping, or throwing, is not ideal. And sometimes you don't want to put that on social media. So usually those shots just before and just after are better for socials. And, yeah, there's there's a lot more flexibility with what you can post with them. It's not just this is me running. Like before or after a race, usually there's like a lot of avenues you could take with like the one image and it can be reused in um, like multiple different ways as well for sure. Yeah. Because the the whole landscape of photography, I mean, 2020, put 2020 aside, which has changed everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. But in general, the face of photography has been changing for a while. Yeah. And it's it's moving more and more that um, more and more images are put up online every day. Um, People who follow people online are are interested to see what they're up to. Yeah. You know, there's the Instagram story thing, which is kind of interesting. I I know you're a bit of an Instagram story follower. (laughs) just a little bit yeah (laughs) but it kind of feeds into what you're doing so it gives you a bit of an i suppose an insight into how people are using photographs and images today because everyone's using them differently yeah yeah, for sure i use instagram to share a lot of my work i still don't have a website part of me that's laziness but instagram is where it's where everyone is like it's where everyone wants to go have a look at images like i won't post most of my stuff to facebook or twitter Instagram like feed posts are great, but I found that the Insta stories just at the end of a like a meet, I'll sh- whack a few images into the. I use um, the app called Unfold, yep. and to create some like nice like panels. Yes, and um, because if you tag like the athletes, they'll reshare it straight away, yes. which automatically like just reshares your work like in further and further. Well, it helps further establish. It helps establish you as a as a sports photographer. Yeah, as people see, and I like. I like what you've done with the panels because it's kind of a, it kind of goes back to that um, old school magazine yeah. kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. And then even just like taking that same idea from the stories into the actual Instagram feed post as well. Like I'll go and photo. I know you can, I know there's apps if you haven't got Photoshop, but I use Photoshop to put like the portrait and the landscape images together into, oh yeah, I call them again panels. And, having that there to like reshare out and then the athletes tend to reshare like the panel that they're featured on onto their story as well so i think your social media has definitely changed photography it's also allowed me to learn a lot more as well like i follow a heap of track and field based or like running based photographers who like i see their content like that's sick and then i'm like what could i do that's not not copying them but like similar or like same vibes yes yep. and go out and just have a crack at creating something different because yep. like sometimes you see things you're like i've never have thought of that and then via social media i've um like created some friends and then we've ended up meeting up in real life at like these big events so like yes. we've kind of created like a little well it's kind of squad it's, yeah. social media has made the world smaller it has because it's really like I said and the other thing too is sometimes you can reach out to people that you thought were never accessible yes Oh, wow. Yeah, just a few cold outreaches. I've seen some content from sports like F1 and I've just been like, how did, that, how did you go? What lens is this? Like, what did you do? Yeah. And the most of the time, most photographers are like, yeah, this is the lens I use and this is how I did it. And yep. then it's then you kind of create those relationships um, around from like not only like your main sport but also different sports and then things come about and opportunities then come up and then you find yourself shooting like, me not just athletics but there'll be a few other things coming up in the near future which i'm kind of excited for too yeah exactly yeah. and look, what, what you do find is one once photographers are comfortable with what they're doing they're happy to share they're yeah. happy to share with someone coming up through the ranks to kind of help them get you know uh, help build their confidence base help build their skill base by sharing what they've found and sometimes what it means is and i, I kind of think the 
the current crop of young photographers coming through now are getting to their peak much quicker than the older ones because you've been given a whole lot of like hacks to get there (laughs) yeah it just like you just got accessibility to everyone like we all see each other's work we all comment on it like comment on it we also see like when like i'll post something and someone who i think is like better than me goes how did you get that and then like we usually have have a back and forth dialogue and yeah for sure like i wouldn't be where i'm at now if it wasn't for social media and people um, like being able to ask people questions and they also just helping me in general or when like I need help even choosing photos for this kind of collective takeover there was some uh photography friends I just sent a message out I was like I I can't decide guys can you please help me it is a really hard thing to pick yeah and they were like this one this one this one and for these reasons I was like okay cool yeah it's just it's helped escalate things even quicker and it's also helped one with reach as well I had like I know personally I haven't been one of those like excessive hashtaggers or people trying to like cheat the algorithm or whatever. I've just yep. been posting and it's organically. People have been like, "Oh, these are cool," and then like it kind of grows from there. And yeah, just being really fortunate that social media has allowed me to get like not not just to where I am, but also the accessibility to certain meets as well. So it's kind of my mini portfolio. Uh, when I go to apply for accreditation places, I'm like, I, I swear I can take photos. And yep. then like usually just provide a few, in, like it sounds silly, but like Instagram links to things and then people are like, okay, that's okay. But like, well, that's we'll let, we'll let her on the field. And that's what they want to see. They want to see that someone actually knows how to behave in that situation. Like you said, yes. we, we touched on it earlier that sometimes obviously in a sporting arena there is hazards. Mm-hmm. So you need to be, be aware for it. And the other thing you've got to be really careful of with um, – you know, when you're involved in sports is you can get very wrapped up with just looking through that one eye through the camera. And I had an instance where I've shot a couple of times now at Suncorp on the field. Yeah. And you literally have to have one eye on the camera and one eye looking at what's happening. Yes. Otherwise you're going to cop a ball. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, shooting football recently has been a few instances because I have a tendency to sit pretty close behind the goal. And yep. like if someone has a shot at goal and they miss it, it's coming straight towards me. Uh, I think probably the most scary sport to f- shoot was uh, futsal, uh, especially like if it's in an indoor closed court. You've got very minimal space um, to move. And futsal, if you've ever watched it live, especially like when the big boys are playing, and also, actually, no, the girls' game, I was probably in fear of my life more. It's just so quick and rapid and yes. the ball just comes flying towards your face. And if you're not switched on 100%, you are going to get hit. And it's – it's my heart rate was – on one more watch was ridiculously high for like 40 minutes. And then – but it does create some cool shots. So that's what matters there. It does. And that's the same. And I suppose the, the good thing for you is actually you, you understand all those things as well, mm-hmm. which really helps kind of give you a, a leg up too from – someone else who maybe doesn't understand those type of things yeah you definitely see some people who like obviously have never done sport or not been around sport and they come out and they're enthusiastic and bless them i'm like yeah good on you like get out there take some photos but they also have like yeah it's just no clue of the surroundings and there's been times where you've had to literally mm-hmm. like you need to move right now you're about to get hit with a javelin like yes. out like move and even teaching those uh, i think Probably one of the more dangerous places to be on a track would be the end of like a 100 meter race. Um, if you've got like the men's and the women's race, they are fast yep. and like they will, they don't care. Like if you're in their way, they will run in straight into you. Um, having to teach those like fresh photographers, like you don't, you you stay still, you do not move. No, like don't care, stay still. And yeah, having <laughs> having that advantage of knowing has definitely helped um, a few of the, the newer photographers stay out of harm's way that's for sure there's been a few close incidences (laughs) (laughs) so casey um you've had a little bit of success with with some some of your work Mm -hmm. we'd like to just kind of expand on on that for us yeah sure i'm taking i'm assuming this is about the whisper award so it is yeah uh women's sport australia got the acronym right um they hold a women in sport photo action award each year and it's you submit an image of i think it's an australian woman um in sport and there's an amateur and a professional category um, and i was very fortunate to take out the amateur category 
this year with an image that I took at the Oceana Championships in uh, in Townsville. Yes. And, yeah, it's been – ever since getting that award, it's been a little bit crazy. Um, <laughs> I didn't expect it to be as big of a deal as, like, what it has, um, but I've, I got to be on a webinar with some people I look up to, which is cool, um, and getting a lot of positive feedback – as well from a lot of cool people in sport photography who you like been following for a while. Yeah. Was awesome. But it's definitely opened up a lot more doors as well. It helps legitimize what I do, which has been like it's been helpful not only from a like a job perspective, but also I think a massive like self confidence. Like, yes, okay, I know I know what I'm doing. Like yes. I'm okay, I've got what, this. One of the one of the biggest problems for photographers is imposter syndrome. Oh yes, it's rough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So take take me through that image, and we might use that image for the cover art for this um, podcast. So sure. people, when they, when they see it, they'll yeah. see it. But can you take me through your setup, your thoughts, and and just kind of that whole process to get that image? Okay. Um, all right. So Oceana Championships Day Four it was in Townsville. Um, I was very sleep deprived at that stage. I'm surprised I didn't fall asleep while taking this photo. I was pole vault. I love shooting pole vault. Pole vault. Not only is it just crazy to think that these people are flinging themselves four to five meters up in the air, um, but they get so excited and so energetic and there's just a lot going on, which is cool. So it's probably, probably one of my favorite events to shoot. And um, this pole vaulter in particular, Liz, is very animated when she, she jumps. She's just so in the zone, but when she celebrates, she celebrates. And she was going for the World Championships qualifier and it was an overcast morning. So for most people in sport, like in general, you see an overcast saying like, oh, whatever. But as a sport photographer, I was like, yes, clear background. Yes. Um, and also, Because the background in that image looks blown out. Yeah, it is. And all it was was overcast clouds. Yes. That's all it was. And I was like, cool, clear background. This is sick. And then where the pole vault was situated, to get an angle where they were like kind of clearing the bar, in the background, I've managed to zoom it just perfectly, is there was a photo finish like hut where they've got, like the officials hanging out and there's also the grandstand um in the background and i had to like maneuver myself i think you could you may even be able to go back on the live stream and see me doing it it's like wiggling around kind of on the ground trying to find that perfect spot where it was between those two so yes. it only just have that white background yes and then yeah back button back button focus on the bar and just waiting for liz to go up and over that one was actually part of a full, like it's a full sequence of images where she's gone up, cleared it. Obviously, she's got the termination look on her face, clearing that bar, and that's the image there. But when she landed, she's also like, like celebrated on the mat, and then she's sprinted across the track to her coaches, and I've got the images of her in the coach's arms, and like her teammates all getting around her and all celebrating. It was just, just like a wild thirty seconds. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, that image in particular. It's just kind of like just waiting, back button focus, thankfully. Yes. And, yeah, just a combination of good weather for photographers and, and again, again, being understanding of the um, composition of trying to get yourself into that into that best possible position for you to be able to get that best. <laughs> yeah, I was literally laying flat on the ground just in the middle of the track um, to try and get that that place. Um, and if anyone has seen me at a track and field meet, nine times out of ten, I'm usually sitting on the ground, um, looking like I'm doing nothing. But I swear I'm working. Yes. Or I'm laying like flat, like a lizard, like trying to get that right position and right angle for sure. Yeah. Because the the other thing a lot of people with photography is they will take the shot from how the spectators normally see it. But yeah. what what gives what gives more impact in a shot is. If you take it from a, a different perspective that the spectators can't see it from where they're sitting to give them another whole view of the whole thing that's happening. So Yeah, yeah. So that, low angles are a really great way to demonstrate that. They are, they are. That was like probably one of the first things I learned from I don't even know where I learned it, but mm. it was always like shoot high or shoot low, try not to shoot at eye level. Yes. And um, otherwise, the, otherwise, that's what you get a lot of shots that look the same. And you talked about, um, you know, about I mean, you're developing your own kind of style of shooting mm-hmm. to produce a picture that gives people that kind of unique look into it. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, like and like sometimes you do got to shoot things at eye level. Like it might be part of your brief. Like you do have to get those stock images of like people competing at yeah. like what you'd see if you were standing right in front. Of, that's that's okay. But yeah, once you've got those, then you can go and have a bit of fun. And then yep. yeah, going high or going low, especially create. There's a lot of things around an athletics track as well, which you can also shoot through, which is cool, yep. um, especially hurdles. And yeah, having those there. It definitely creates a different perspective. It also helps, I think, shooting low for pole vault helped create, well, helps show them like the height at which these girls are jumping. Like, yes, four meters sixty in the air. That's ridiculous. Like, that's, that's two stories. That is. It's very high. And like you don't like sometimes you don't like if you've been around an athletic track, you see you're like that's high. Okay, cool. But then like when she bring like non-athletics people out and they see that like dude, that's like two stories high. I'm like I know. <laughs> and yeah, trying to. I was trying to capture, like, Liz obviously going across the bar for, like, that shot, but also, yeah, to try and capture the height. So the original image is actually a lot further. It's not as cropped in. Yes. And just it just she looks like she's flying through the air, which she was. But, she was. Yeah. Yep. And I, I like it, like, the, the image that you picked there out of the sequence is, is that decisive moment. So you can kind of see an expression on a face. You can see a lot of things happening in that image. Yeah, and it's still very, like, a very clean and simple image. It's just that... that like kind of a point across the bar that's just years of hanging around an athletics track and knowing like at what point sometimes like for other events it could be just before and just after that kind of release point yes but yeah pole vaults it's usually just as they're about to let go of the uh bar because you and if you especially if you're shooting low like shooting low to high um then you'd be able to also capture their facial expressions as well which is was what's happened in this case yeah yes it's been, it's been fantastic crazy. and like i said look there's no doubt why why that image won. it was it's it's a stunning image it really is full, full credit to you so what has there been any other type of things that have been and there mightn't be winning awards but has there been other highlights in your photography journey so far things that you've been really proud to be a part of um i think oceana championships was cool the fact that they even gave me a chance on it like i'm I'm still an amateur photographer. I'm not professional by any means. Yeah. Um. But they they took the risk and with me on that, which was really great, and got to spend a week up there. And like it helps that now, like I'm friends with a lot of the people involved in the media side of it all. So, like it was a week of shooting athletics, shooting my friends doing cool things on the track, which was sick. And then also get to hang out with friends. That was cool. And probably oh more recently, we got Kobe and myself. So Kobe is person who I usually like shoot major athletics meets alongside she does the videography side of it all and I do the photography side of it all and um we got like we're getting like now like people like like quote us what it like what it costs to bring you guys to a meet and that hearing that stuff now is um it's really cool like it's people are starting to recognize that like there is value in what we do which is exciting yes and then like yeah, there's obviously a little bit of hype when someone like someone really like big, like kind of like reshares your images or like like asks if you're gonna be at a meet. That's kind of like, that stuff's cool, but like it's just capturing those like moments. Like you'll see in one of the Canon Collective ones, uh, the four by four hundred meter boys image. That was just that was nuts. I almost didn't capture it because I was too excited for them running across the line. But just like capturing like those those moments there, and then like seeing them get excited like after the fact of like you actually like you got this, and now they've got that forever. Yes. More recently though, I didn't realize, but like I shoot my like my athletics club, and just go out and take a few images here and there, mainly for like social media purposes, but also like then the athletes themselves kind of starting to share. And I didn't realize that some of our like our tigers, um, like they've got parents stuck overseas during COVID, so having those images that they could say like, kind of send back to their parents who are stuck overseas was like really, really huge for them. And, yes. they were, like, really and, and this is, and this is one of those things of the fundamental shift with photography now that, and the speed that they can be shared. Yes. Is that those images, like I said, and for a lot of people now, that's how, the, how we're connected. Yeah. We see how we see what each other is doing. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You can see what's going on, see what's up. See, you see like kind of those big moments in people's lives because they're shared straight away instead of having to wait for like results to be published or someone to actually bother to write yep. an article or something. Like it's, it's there. It's straight away. It's like, boom. Yep. There's that moment. So I'll just take you on a little different direction here. Ooh, okay. Okay. Yep. Have you printed any of your images? Any of your images are in print? Nope. Not at all. Okay. 
the reason I ask that question is I have a real fear for the current young crop of photographers yeah. that they're producing some incredible work. Yeah. Right. And that that um, for all the older photographers from, you know, 50 years ago, the amazing sporting images you see, mm. they exist today because there's prints. Yeah. Right. And what I worry about is even though they're in a digital, on a digital platform. Yeah. Who's to say in 10 years' time Instagram doesn't go belly up? And Something happens, yeah. And it disappears. So have you thought about um, actually some of those, you know, um, more cherished images actually committing them to print? Not for myself. Um, I've got nowhere to put them. Um, <laughs> that's, that's point number one. Um, I know some people have printed images of mine. <laughs> this sounds really crazy. Um, more recently, I did a bit of a running photo shoot with my friends because like during COVID we had no competition so I was like okay guys let's go for a trot and then I'll take some snaps and yep. we'll have a bit of fun and then one of my friends she works as a podiatrist and now one of those images is blown up on like the podiatry clinic wall yes yeah I was like that's, that's like that just blows my mind there's been a few other instances where other people have gotten the images printed and blown up but like personally not really um I, I I've got nowhere to put them i think yes. it's probably my main um thing <laughs> and like i just it's kind of weird just having printed images of your friends as well that's just weird to me like if it maybe if i wasn't so like closely connected to athletics in that sense um it'd probably be a little bit less yes but like personally i haven't printed anything but i know some of the others like people have been printing them yeah because put up around the place because one of the great things i think with especially the meats that you photograph yeah they would make fantastic photo books yeah, there's there's been talk of a photo book, <laughs> but obviously the past season just got completely roaned. Maybe this one because this is a big season coming up. Yes, it is. Well, the national championships that got uh, just uh, cancelled in March. Yep, that was pretty much the qualification for Tokyo 2020. Yep. So the next one coming up will be Tokyo 2021. So we'll see. There might be a photo book uh, opportunity there. Yeah, but, I, look, I think it's just yeah. a great way to commit images. And it kind of does give them some type of those future. And the, and the the other thing I like about photo books is you don't need anything to view it on, so you hand it to somebody. Yeah. You've got the tactile pages to turn. It's a totally mm-hmm. different experience looking at the pictures on, say, if you pull out your phone and show people images that you shot on the weekend. Yeah. That's great. But yeah. they kind of – it's just not the same. It isn't. There's been a few times where images have been used in, like, publications – and yeah, you're right. There is like a, it's like, oh my God, it's in the publication. Um, and like turning the page, like that's cool, that's sick, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, maybe sometime soon, but at the moment it's probably not necessarily like, oh my, I personally on my radar, but yeah, maybe maybe soon for sure. Yeah. So currently where are you, with your studies and stuff, where are you at? <laughs> um, well, that PhD got affected by Corona, just like photography did. But um, I'm currently like in my first year of um, study, so yes. this is degree number three, and completely, well, it's kind of related to what I do. So I do sport photography, but I can't, I study in the sport medicine field as well. Everything's just related to sport. Yes. Yep. And at the end of it, I'm potentially go into the academia role, like lecturing, tutoring, all that kind of jazz. Um, at the moment, I'm still not sure, just because also the job market got swiped out entirely. Yes. But I thoroughly enjoy it. And then, yeah, photography-wise, it, just, it happens on the weekends. Um, at the moment, for me, I, I, I don't see it in the immediate future becoming like a full-time gig, if yes. that makes sense. But if the opportunity arose and you were given an opportunity to shoot sport yeah. for profession, yeah, what would you do? Oh, I don't know. I'd probably try and work it so I'm doing two things at once. I like doing multiple things like on the go. Maybe like I, th- I personally don't rate myself high enough to be able to do that just yet. Yep. But I think maybe with a few more years of experience, it could potentially be a possibility. But just in case my PhD supervisor's listening, I, I really like science at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm committed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I genuinely, like, I don't know. I'm still, I with everything in life, I, I don't know what the future is going to hold. No, and look, yeah. it's, re- it's really interesting because, you know, we we briefly touched on that the world has changed and with um, 2020 being such a the year that's been mm-hmm. and, and 
a lot of people's plans have just gone out the window, so yep. they've just had to like. I mean, and I really feel sorry for the athletes that were training for the the for the Olympics. You know, they've been four years been working towards gold, and then basically, you all got torn up. Yeah, you got torn up. I mean, that's that's a pretty hard pill to swallow. Yeah, yeah, it's been so, crazy watching them all like try and process that. But yeah, well, well, again, it's, it messes with the, the the head game. It really kind of. You know, you've got to try and get head into the space where to keep yourself motivated to, mm. to keep going forward. But the thing I talked about was the changes of people's career paths and and what I suppose used to be the norm was someone would actually start a career yeah. and pretty much work that career their whole life yeah. and then they would retire. And that's kind of the old the old way. But today it's kind of changed a bit where most people in their 20s will probably have multiple careers throughout their life. They won't stick at one thing, which is kind of interesting because I think that's the, th- the big change in the world because there's things that are changing so quickly that sometimes, I mean, I had a friend who I went to school with and he um, did an apprenticeship as a compositor at Queensland Newspapers. And a compositor is a person who actually gets all the typesets, all the, all the types are just individual characters and they put them all together on a tray yeah right so the newspaper used to be printed by someone actually hand assembling every letter yeah wow huge job it was called a compositor so yeah. that's what they did he finished his four-year apprenticeship yep the very next year Queensland newspaper put in digital printing presses and his whole thing that he had done for his whole life is gone for four years it literally disappeared yeah, so right. he then basically just operated a digital press. Mm. But the skill in action, there was a, I mean, there was a lot of skill in doing all that typeset. Yeah. And when you, when you have a I'm very labour intensive, so you'd be, you'd be responsible for just doing one page of the newspaper because it just took so much time. Mm-hmm. So, so a whole lot of people were literally, he was lucky that he actually kept his job that got, you know, repurposed, but yep. it was nothing like what he'd done. And I think that's happening in the world today where so many people have trained for something or have studied for something yep. only to have it actually evaporate. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm i sure there's a lot of other people, similar situation. I initially started with a sports science degree, but I've done like multiple jobs in different areas of sports science. So strength and conditioning coaching, working in a sports technology company, teaching academia coaching on the side i i think at the moment if you count photography as a job and being like a student on scholarship as one like probably the least amount of jobs i've ever had at once which is weird but yeah now now i've like if something doesn't work out i definitely have other things to fall back on that's for sure but like there's no single career path i'm like i'm gonna do this like yes yeah and, and we don't see what happens. And, and with te- with technology too, we don't know. I mean, if you look at, I mean, the advances in sport, even. Yeah. And if you look at what um, the PBs that people are doing today, versus you know ten years ago, and it's only because we know so much more about the body and nutrition and training and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff that that's given people this enormous kind of boost. Yeah. So it's kind of, I think it's kind of inter- we're at an interesting point in time with all the technology and all the things that advances that we're seeing, there'll be new roles, I think, that haven't even been thought of yet. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the exciting thing, that the, the job that you might be doing in five years' time doesn't even exist today. It's very true. Even, like, going through school, I've done a little bit of social media managing as well. And if you asked me back in school, like, you'd be social media manager back when I had a MySpace account. I'd be like... <laughs> yeah, sure, I will. What the heck is that? Um <laughs> But now I'm like that. That's been like my job in a few places as well. It's like like running managing social media, like all that kind of yeah, digital skills. I think yes. are very were very underestimated a couple of years ago, but now definitely coming to the forefront. Um, and got to keep on top of them as well. That's for sure. Look, it's it is a changing world. And I've got um, my son, who's like I said, he's done a few few things at uni, and he's still not something. But he's actually just recently, because of COVID, had fallen into online gaming. Yeah, true. And he's actually been picked up by Twitch, which is one of the online gaming platforms. Mm-hmm. And he's now a Twitch partner, and he's actually making ridiculous money that's, out of gaming. That's awesome. And so it's kind of like maybe he's not going to go back to university. 
definitely a career path. And it, and, but it's yeah. something that just didn't exist. And for a lot of people, it's hard to understand how you make money out of sitting on a computer playing games. It's different if you, yeah, you're not involved in that world. You haven't really experienced it before. But, yeah, I've, I've had a brief dabble in it. I've got some friends who are very, uh, I would say, like higher up in esports um, in terms of like the organization side of it all. Yes. And getting an understanding of that industry has been, uh, it's incredible. And uh, the opportunities there uh, are amazing if you can definitely get involved in that too. And if you have the skill set too, even better. Well, that's it. I'm saying, I mean, it's, it's like it's how you apply that skill set. Yeah. And like I said, we, you know, we talked about how you applied your athletic skill sets to yeah. photography. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically you can, if you've got, once you get skills, and it's funny because I know people who, um, who are very good at sport mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what sport they do. They just ace it, mm-hmm. and it's just like some people have it. <laughs> yeah, some people don't. <laughs> yeah, and some people will you'll try, but some people just have that natural, that natural talent. Mm-hmm. Just be able to pick up a golf club or a tennis racket or whatever, and just basically just nail it every time. Yeah, yeah, and even like the reverse. So I've taken things learned from athletics to help out with photography, um, but then also things I've learned from photography um, and digital communication in that realm. Um, is coming back to help my PhD. Yes. Also just in, and also helping my friends um, enhance their ways of digitally communicating as well because in the sciences it's not a very strong point <laughs> across the board. But, um, yeah, it's it's all linked and it's all helping each other and it's a bit of like a, of a loop going around. Yep. Yeah. So what advice would you give to some, say, someone listening out there who's, you know, a young uh, photographer who's interested in sports mm-hmm. and um, – is there anything that you kind of learnt along the way that um, you wished you had known at the beginning? Or Number one, gear does not matter. Like obviously there's limitations with gear, but like you don't need to rock up with a 1DX and a, you don't need to spend 10K on equipment to be out there. This does No. Always be kind and courteous. In every single sport industry, the people talk. And you don't want to be the person that no one wants to work with or cops a bad reputation because, like, they're either just, like, clout chasing um, by taking photos of only certain athletes or they just just think that they're better than everyone else there. Like, I don't know, like, stay humble, learn your place. Obviously, have, like, the element of confidence, of course, but be humble for sure. Definitely look after yourself, especially if you're going to be shooting, like, sport and, like, multiple days of it. Your hydration and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, just like an athlete. Like after weekends of shooting, athletics, like I'll, people make fun of me like sitting on my butt most of the time on the side of the track and that's fair. Like I'll cop that. But it's really draining, especially because people don't understand that once you go home, you've also got to spend a couple of hours editing and yes. got to process them all, especially when people are like, I want my images now. And you're like, you can wait. Yes. Um, yeah, hydration, um, food, sufficient sleep. So maybe looking after yourself and also looking after yourself in terms of don't let people walk all over you and just like take advantage of your skill set, which yeah. had, did happen to me a little bit at the start. And then I just had to be a bit more had assertive. assertive and sassy and be like, no. Um, and It's okay to say no. Yeah, it is, 100%. It's, yeah, I think just like in, in summary is like y- your gear doesn't necessarily – like matter obviously yeah, limitations like take that into consideration don't be a flog i think would be a key thing there like everyone talks yes and yeah look after yourself not it's, only it's, physically at, but mentally at the end of the day it's it's a it's a small world it is oh so is and like now like like everyone knows kind of who everyone is and um people do come and people do go and yeah i think oh probably the last one i'd probably chuck in there is don't compare yourself to others i still do it i'm guilty of it like when i first started out i still had the images of people from like getting it i was like i'm what the heck i'm never going to be able to match that but then i was like no 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 find your own groove find your own style i've found looking at people's work who is who are better than you has actually been helpful because that probably it's like in a competitive me is like okay i'm gonna try and do that too um is yeah just don't get too caught up on the whole like I'm not good enough to be here. Like you are gonna, it's gonna take time. It's gonna take time to develop your your style, your editing, 
even your ability to expose photos, like some of the things I took in 2017 are cringe so bad. Yes. Even 2018, there's some really cringeworthy things in there. And it wobby wasn't. But that's but that's a, that's a really valuable lesson to yeah. look back. And how you grow as a photographer is you look back at what you shot last yeah. year, <laughs> yeah, and compare it to what you're shooting today, yeah. And you look back, and that's where you take out the things that okay, yeah, I understand. Because look, photography is one of those areas where you actually never stop learning. Correct. Correct. You'll learn something every time you go out and shoot. There's something that you'll learn, or something that you didn't understand quite right, or mm-hmm. or I mean, reading light is an incredibly difficult thing and look where you shoot in an outdoor arena it's changing changing yeah and you don't have control of it and then you've got like grandstands projecting shade like there's no tomorrow it's yeah it's it's definitely always learning and being adaptive as well to the environment like you're not going to take the perfect shot because sometimes the light conditions are just trash like you can't do much about it um same thing and 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 look for you know you're not going to Bring a speed light for someone who's trying to. Oh yeah, no, there's no, there's no flash in sport photography either. There's no going to be no flash, <laughs> yeah. so you, you have to work with available light. Exactly, exactly, and you got to yeah, just be a bit creative, do things, think sometimes think outside the box, and like other thing is like especially if you're at some if you're someone out there shooting community sport in particular because I know like community football fields are not exactly like well lit, for example. Yes. Um, embrace the grain. Like yes, you, you're gonna Let your have eyes, creep your ISO up there. Punch that ISO up. Like there's only so much you can do, and yeah, just like try and find new ways to get around the situation that you're in. You can't control everything. You can't control the weather as well. You can't control um, the shade, the lighting, where you are. Just just do the best you can with what you're given. That's probably like the number one thing yep. to do. Cool. Now there was one thing I'd like to kind of expand on. You talked about the obviously you. You're on field, you're shooting. Yeah. It's a really adrenaline-charged arena. Like, mm-hmm. it's all, everything's happening. Yeah. Like, and you're in you're in the thick of it. You're yeah. there shooting away. Then you get home and you put the camera on the bench and you start downloading the images on yeah. and start editing. It's the complete opposite. Now you've just gone from this incredible high. Yeah. How do you deal with that transition? Do you deal well with that or? Yeah. Um. <sighs> Again, probably because I'm too connected to it all. Like, if it's your friends who've done cool things, I'm just so excited for them, and I'll still be hyped whilst I'm editing, and yes. then like going through the images as well, I'll still be like, still hyped, like, yeah, I've got that, heck yes. yes, and like be like excited for them, and I'm excited while I'm like doing. It. I, I don't really switch off until I go to sleep. Yeah. Um, is there is kind of that lull whilst you're downloading images. Have got better workflow. That's probably another tip for anyone starting is learn your workflow. And and that's what I'm saying. Quicker. Once you develop a workflow that works for you, yes. because that's the that's one of the key things that will make help your efficiency. And the other thing too, obviously, it, it's important too. Like is housekeeping and storage and how you actually manage all those images. Yeah, Because yeah. for you in particular, shooting stuff that you might get a request twelve months from now saying, "Hey, I remember seeing you at this meet. Yeah. Did you actually get any pictures of me coming across the line? Yeah." So people sometimes will want to buy that picture off you or yeah. get that picture. So you do have to kind of have some type of cataloging system. Yes. Uh, thankfully for the likes of like Google Drive and Dropbox. Yep. Um, obviously, I have all the hard drives, like the actual physical hard drives. They're all saved in boxes as well. But I, did, I do tend to find that usually a couple of days after the meet, you get the, did you get a photo of me? It's like, hold up. And then you, most of the time you do know. Yes. Um, like I know – now like what events I did shoot 100% and if I did if I did miss anyone I usually know who I missed which is which is helpful especially for cataloging but yeah it all goes into like online um, folders and then you can obviously send off links high-res links to people when they need them yes but even then just cataloging like whilst you're out in the field as well I think is important and it's probably comes back to the that tips for people starting out is I personally will rate images out of the field in between like throws. Like if I think that images I'm going to want, if it's going to be something I'm going to edit, I'm going to rate it out of five. And then once I pull them all into Lightroom, I have all the five stars yes. ready to go. And that's then, a great tip. And then um, edit from there. And then obviously I still have all the raw files for everything saved anyways. So like if I have missed someone and I haven't edited their image, I can also always go back and, and do that in Lightroom, which is okay. But yeah, learning storage as well and keep on top of the administrative side of it is is important not only for like organizing images and sending them off but also your peace of mind as well having everything organized is uh 
very, very helpful, that's for sure. Yeah, it is, especially when, when you start getting requests from. So just touching on your workflow there. So yeah. is Lightroom where you mainly do your work on your images? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't really delved into Photoshop mainly because I just don't have time to learn. I use Photoshop for other things but yes. not for well, – sports, sports is a pure, very pure form of photography. Yeah. Where, you, where you're not going to remove – you're not going to remove objects. No. You're not going to heal stuff. You mm. pretty much when you shoot sport, like a lot of professional people who shoot sports, they they just want JPEG images. Yeah. Basically straight out of camera. Yeah, and there's very 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 little editing in terms of like colors and yep. colors so, and all that. But so it's just maybe sometimes a bit of correction on the exposure. Yeah. Type of thing. Maybe pull. I mean, look, a lot of people will shoot slightly under. Yeah. And pull back from the shadows because once you lose your highlights, you can't yeah. pull your highlights Correct. back. Correct. It's better to under it's than it is to over, yeah. I know, like, personally, I don't do too much. I have, if I have a little bit more time, I, I have a little, like, you can tell my style. If that, like, if you put, there's a few photographers in Queensland. If you put all our images out and you went, which one's Casey's, you'd probably be able to spot which one's mine. And usually yes. it's a vibrant, a little bit oversat, not oversat. Very more vibrant um, black points usually pull down a bit too, and the shadows are brought up. Like it's a, like it's just a very vibrant image. Um, Trying to make it pop. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's not too much that actually goes into it. It is very pure. I don't spend hours and hours, especially when I'm punching out like hundreds of images, especially for those really really big meets. And, and that's well. a really good, really interesting point. I think for for people listening is, on an average, meet how many images do you actually capture? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I've gotten better uh, at not overshooting, but you're still always going to overshoot anyways, is probably closer to 800. Yes. Without, like Immediately I'm out there for a few hours. Yes. And, yeah, and then we'll probably uh, produce probably about 100 maybe. Yes. Of those images. like, And then there'll be like key ones in there. But that's if like, you're also your mass, mass shooting. Yeah, usually each meet I'll send out about 100 after the fact. Things like the North Cha- uh, the Championships in Mackay I was at, I was shooting, I was pr- pretty much the primary photographer all day for three or four days and it was like on day two or day three, it was like, like a 7 a.m. start all the way to a 7 p.m. finish and yep. it was like 4,000 images um, that were captured but only punched out about 400. Yeah, so about Re- 10%. Yeah, and the reasoning is, is like you're trying to get the before and after yep. as well and especially like races where you got to try and like get as many people as possible. Especially like I'm very conscious of this as well is try not to get photos that make people look bad. So when someone's running towards you, you got to take like three or four to get each point of the stride. Because once their foot hits the ground, their face tends to not look so great. Um, I'm guilty of it too. And it's usually that, that takeoff phase that you want. So trying to just get that, Point in the stride correct as well so yeah there is a lot of images taken and but using that rating rating um helps out considerably that's for sure yeah because i mean that's one of the, that's part of your job obviously is is once you've like said you know captured four thousand images yep. it's, a, it's a lot of work actually mm-hmm. if you've got to sit there and look for four thousand if you yes. haven't kind of been on the fly the other point i was going to make about I suppose the area of photography that you're doing with the athletics is yep. a little bit different from say football with you have the game, you know, it's 80 minutes or whatever. You've done it. There's yeah. a little, little bit of celebrations afterwards. Yeah. You may have got a few kind of environmental portraits of the mm-hmm. change rooms and stuff before the game, all that type of jazz, but but pretty pretty much you're done. But like you said, meets go on, so you've got different disciplines running all day. Yeah, yeah. Um... <laughs> so you're basically, you're shooting one minute, you're shooting hurdles. You then might have to go and shoot something else, then shoot something else, shoot something else. Yeah. So you're, you're adapting on as you go literally there's um it can sometimes it can be up to eight events going simultaneously and if you're the only photographer there it's hard to run between all the events you see like scampering around the field that's what i'm up to yeah and the other thing you also got to take into consideration is changing light as well so like usually the 100 meters if they're shot in the afternoon like if, if an event starts from two it goes two to eight the 100 meters are usually done when the shade of the grandstands come across the track so obviously ISO has gone up. As soon as that's done and I run across the discus net, that's back out in the sunlight. So I've got to on the fly, try not to trip over things myself yes. and also adjust the camera settings and then get there just in time to get the image. There's no time to muck around, yes. um, especially on those like those meets where there's a lot going on. 
usually there are small gaps in the program and that's when I get time to go data dump an SD card. Yep. And but yeah, it, it can go from seven to like seven to nine, for example, and it's just really important that you you, you do take care of yourself. That's for sure. Exactly. So, yeah. Look, I think there's some great takeaways for people in there that you've shared. And look, thanks for coming and actually sharing your journey so far. And look, I can kind of see that you're going to have a. There's a long way to go, I think, with your photography journey. Well, thanks for having me. It's really <laughs> kind right. of you. So where where can people find you on socials? What? Oh, okay. Instagram's probably the main one, um, and it's at Casey Sims with an underscore at the end, and same thing on Twitter. And I swear, eventually, I'll get a website up and going, and yeah. then they'll probably put that on Instagram too. See well, thanks, Casey, again for sharing again. And like I said, Casey will be featured in the Canon Collective uh, group, so we look forward for that coming out as well. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me. It's no been worries. Fun. Thanks. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Photo Mission Exposure. If you liked the episode, please leave a comment. Also, you can follow us. Don't forget to tune into another episode soon. Thank you.